You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Rebecca Johnston was just beginning her freshman year at Whitman College, where she was planning to play volleyball at the Division III school. But bone cancer would impact that plan. After an attempt to salvage her limb, she would decide to have her leg amputated above the knee. She's now focusing her attention on para-snowboarding and hopes to represent Team USA at the 2026 Winter Paralympic Games. So, Rebecca, I thought we would start by just uh, talking first about uh, maybe one of your first loves, volleyball. So uh, how did you get into that sport growing up? And um, I know you played it for quite a while. Yeah, um, I mean, my parents kind of made an effort to kind of get me into sports as early as possible. So I pretty much grew up doing every sport, just trying them. Um, like when I was a kid, I did t-ball, I did soccer, um, I did taekwondo. Um, and then eventually... Um, my mom decided to take me to, I think I was about nine years old and my mom took me to a local community college volleyball camp, mm-hmm. just, you know, so I'd be able to try it out. And here I was this little tiny little thing amongst all of these, you know, college aged, um, women playing volleyball and, uh, just got to kind of try out the sport and everybody was really kind to me and was letting me kind of get, you know, getting a kick out of me trying to learn how to do the do the sport. And I basically just kind of fell in love with it right then and there. Um, and so that was uh, down my hometown where I was born, um, of Yucaipa, California. Sure. And um, so in middle school, kind of joined the local club volleyball team, uh, did a lot of competition um, tournaments in Southern California. And I was pretty much just committed right from the start. And so every school season I could play, I'd play. And every club season I could play, I would play. And um, when we eventually moved up to Oregon, um, I live in a small town called Hood River, Oregon, right now. And uh, that actually meant driving out to Portland in order to find the kind of competitive club volleyball spaces and teams for me. Mm-hmm. Um so I was, um, my family and I, I mean, it was a definitely a family commitment for sure. Um, and, you know, every kind of direction led me to be playing volleyball and I'd progressed throughout the years. And eventually I kind of learned what college volleyball was and what it took and the divisions and things like that. So ultimately made that my goal um, throughout high school is kind of going through the recruitment process and, and finding a place where I could play um, and continue continue the sport. So I actually was, you know, um, successful at that eventually. So, yeah. And so how far was that drive or that commute from Hood River to, to Portland? Um, it kind of varied um, depending on which club I was playing at. I would say my longest commute, and this is probably not even including traffic, would be like an hour and hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes. Mm. Um, but what my mom and I would do, or my dad, um, if he was driving me that day in high school, um, is we'd have to leave like right when I got back from school. Um, I would just change as quickly as possible, 
heat up some food for the road and then we jump in the car because the traffic in Portland can get really backed up. So sometimes we'd be in the car on the way to practice for two hours. <laughs> and and so you played, you know, was was there a, a high school or a school-based uh, program or was it just a club-based program? Yeah. So um, in the fall, I would play for the school programs mm, okay. uh, starting in middle school. Um, sixth grade, we didn't have a competitive team, but seventh grade, I started playing at middle school. Um, I did club regardless in sixth grade, but um, the fall season is the school volleyball season. And then when winter rolled around, tryouts would probably be around like um, November, um, kind of end of November, beginning of December. And then I would travel and compete and practice throughout the whole winter into the spring. So. Oh, so you did both. Yeah. So you did the yeah. school-based uh, program in the fall and, uh, and then the club-based in the winter and spring. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so when did you realize obviously that one, you were good at it and that you wanted to play it at the collegiate level? I'm not sure if there was really um, a moment that I can recall. Um, but, you know, I had always been um, given my club background uh, when I got into middle school. Um, as as far as skills go, I, I was I would say I was a bit ahead of the pack. Um, and so that was definitely kind of an indication that, you know, I'm pretty good at this. This could take me somewhere. Um, and I just really loved being an athlete. I loved being a part of a team. And I didn't really want to lose that um, after high school. And so I think that's another component that kind of drove me to continue playing is, you know, being an athlete is so core to my identity as a person um, and what I circle and base my life around. Um, so it was definitely kind of a motivator there, um, kind of maintaining that aspect of my identity and, and all that. And, and what was it about sport? Um, and, and what was it about team that you liked? Um, I would say having you know, getting together with people, creating relationships and friendships, um, and coming together to achieve a common goal. Um, I think that was what's really cool about sport, especially at that time, um, where everybody's kind of the same age, we're all going through the same things, especially throughout the years and the, the age group levels of club volleyball. Um, it was mainly just kind of having a community outside of, outside of school or outside of my town. Um, and coming together to all try to better ourselves and get better at the sport that we loved. I think that's just a really unique thing about sports is the way that it brings people from all walks of life together. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, and did you choose, uh, you obviously went, went in, uh, off to Whitman college. Did you choose the college, uh, based on the academics or, uh, the chance to play volleyball there? Um, I'd say I, I, prioritized both um pretty, pretty equivalent level um i would say that academics though i think i prioritized just a bit more um but i also kind of based my priorities around um how i liked the campus and how i felt on campus so during my college uh search i did uh, so many campus tours <laughs> and i felt lucky um definitely privileged to um, have the support from my parents to drive me around and go visit schools with me. Um, and, uh, 
something that my mom in particular would encourage me to do uh, when we were on these campuses is immediately after the tour or before the tour, um, we would go find the athletics offices and she would go have me, you know, whether I wanted to or not, go knock on the volleyball coach's door, you know, give him a handshake, look him in the eyes, introduce myself um, and say that I want to play for you. Um, and so that was definitely nerve wracking <laughs> as a uh, high school sophomore or junior. Oh, yes, um, of course. <laughs> and, you know, definitely had to put myself in some uncomfortable positions to grow and kind of, you know, um, make a name for myself. Uh, but, you know, we did that at Whitman and sat down with the coach um, for quite a while, actually. And just kind of got to know each other, got to know my volleyball background, my academic background. Um, and it just seemed like Whitman was going to be kind of the perfect fit. Um, and so my coach uh, kind of, I sent him video throughout my kind of junior and senior volleyball seasons. Um, he came to watch me at a couple tournaments in Portland. Um, and then eventually when I got the um, official acceptance, um, into Whitman, I went ahead and let him know, and he kind of invited me to the team. So. That's awesome. Yeah. And, um, obviously when you, when you, uh, were 18 years old, you, you were, were, were diagnosed with, uh, a form of bone cancer. Um, and I know that you went through, uh, limb salvation for a little while. How long did you, uh, go through that and then what uh what was the determining factor to ultimately a good amputation sure um it is it is kind of a long um process i guess from you know the timeline of my diagnosis which happened um just a couple weeks into my freshman year of college um i had participated in the preseason summer training for volleyball at the time and we had just started our competitive season um, in our conference. And so um, I kind of middle of summer leading into that preseason, I kind of had the um, lower leg pain um, and pain in my knee. And it was getting seen by um, physical therapists and my athletic trainers. But, you know, nobody really suspects um, cancer, um, you know when, when diagnosing someone. So I didn't really get scans or anything until it was, it was really bad and the pain was really limiting. Um, and I couldn't practice one day. And so ultimately got it looked at by, um, an orthopedic doctor in my college town and got an x-ray done. And he pretty much immediately identified, uh, some form of tumor in there, um, in my lower femur. And then I got an MRI and then same thing kind of um, confirmed that this was, um, osteosarcoma and that, um, I was going to have to get it taken care of. So, um, I had to leave school. I moved back home to hood river and, um, thankfully, um, the Oregon health and science university, um, otherwise known as OHSU hospital in Portland, um, ha they have a sarcoma specialty treatment center. So they mm -hmm. have oncologists there who, um, are experienced and they do research um, and they are really up to date on the sarcoma treatments. Um, so I got set up with a really great um, oncology team and a surgical team 
and uh, ultimately beginning of January 2018 is when I had my limb salvage surgery. And um, from the beginning, as far as the healing process for that, um, my body just didn't really take to it very well. Um, they kind of advise post-surgery that you stay off of it, no weight bearing for about six weeks. But I was barely weight bearing, probably a solid four months post-surgery. Mm. Um, so things were very much delayed from me for, from the start, just with pain level and, um, and just my body's reaction to things. Um, they, there was a lot of scar tissue that, that, um, came about in my knee, in the knee replacement, Mm -hmm. um, component of that. So I was walking on a very stiff leg for a very long time, very stiff, very painful for the remainder of that summer, even post post treatment, I was still using a cane to get around as a mobility aid. Um, and I had entered school again. Um, I was invited back to the volleyball team. Um, because, you know, at that point I was, I was like family to my coach and my teammates. And so they wanted me back around, you know, regardless of whether or not I could play volleyball. Um, they just wanted me there. Um, so I joined them kind of with the hope and the intention that, oh, you know, I'll do my rehab. I'll get better. My knee will be fine. And eventually I'll be able to play volleyball again. But um, ultimately it ended up being kind of the scar tissue and the the chronic pain that came from that, um, that knee um, that was extremely limiting. Um, I even had a surgery uh, later that year in 2018. So about 12 months after the initial surgery to remove scar tissue. And, you know, it kind of freed up my knee for a couple months, I'd say probably into March of 2019. But then it was kind of, I woke up one day and all that scar tissue was back. Essentially, it was painful again. It was stiff again. And I just didn't really know where to go from there. Um, But luckily, at the time, I had become involved with the um, U.S. National um, Sitting Volleyball Team, which is the Paralympic version, um, Mm -hmm. adaptation of, of volleyball. And I had been, um, meeting a lot of amputees and, um, other disabled individuals through that program. And so I was able to kind of ask my questions and be curious and do a little bit more research into the idea of amputation. Um, and eventually, you know, it, it, it kind of took a, a summer of, of, being in an outdoor oriented environment like Hood River. And I was in um, actually the Grand Tetons um, that summer of 2019. Um, It took being in that environment and being limited in that environment. You know, I couldn't do the hikes I wanted to do. I couldn't do all the activities I wanted to do because I was so limited. Um, And being limited really kind of forced me to face the reality of what this knee was going to be for me and ultimately kind of make a quality of life decision for myself. Um, and that quality of life decision was going to be amputation. Um, so it was about a year between when I decided and when my surgery happened, um, that got it all taken care of. So. And so it was really you kind of pushing that decision more than like, like the orthopedic specialist, for example. 
Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that I had to push very much. Um, my surgeon was very transparent with me. Um, he's basically was like, you know, you're not the first person to, to have these limitations with, um, with their limb salvage surgery. And he even kind of opened my eyes to the fact that even some individuals will go 20, 30 years or 20, 30 surgery resections for, for the scar tissue um, before they decide to amputate. And, you know, it just kind of works for some people and it doesn't work for others. And that's just the nature and the limitation of, um, of that decision um, to save the leg. So he was pretty much entirely supportive of my decision. Um, he didn't really recommend that I go see a psychologist or any kind of um, individual to talk to to make sure my decision was set because I definitely made sure to make it clear that I was making an informed um, decision for my well-being and my mm -hmm. my mental and physical health. Um, so uh, very grateful to him for supporting me through that. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. And, and, and so after you, after you have, uh, the amputation, when and how did sports factor back into your life? Yeah. So, um, luckily I had already, I already had the support system of, um, the friends and the teammates I had made through the sitting volleyball program. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, uh, kind of dove back into sitting volleyball and, you know, um, I was fairly hopeful that, um, having an amputation and getting rid of the, getting rid of the leg was going to actually, um, make the sport a bit easier, um, on my body. But post-surgery, I was also kind of having some, some more pain problems, um, not necessarily phantom pain, but kind of a tissue muscle pain. Mm -hmm. Um, and that also kind of made it hard to place it in volleyball. Um, so that was kind of a factor there, which kind of, you know, I, w I was I was fairly set on sitting volleyball, but I kind of had a gut feeling that there might be something else out there for me. And so I was really hoping to try other sports. Um, and what I did was I researched um, athletic grant programs. So, um, I, you know, I reached out for the uh, Move United Elite Team grant. Um, I reached out to the Challenged Athletes Foundation and uh, they granted me a running blade of prosthetic. And then I ultimately found the Move for Gen Foundation, um, which is a sarcoma-specific foundation. Um, and what they focus on is providing grants for sarcoma survivors to have um, athletic prosthetics and athletic um, adaptive gear. And um, I was very blessed. They ended up granting me um, the BioDapt um, components, the Knee and the VersaFoot. Um, yeah. and my intention with, with those prosthetics was to actually get back into snowboarding. Um, snowboarding was always a sport that I had kind of dabbled in. Um, I'd go when I could kind of in middle school and high school, but I was really nowhere near, um, skilled. <laughs> um, I was decent at it, but you know, with, with volleyball being in the winter time, uh, that was always my priority and that always took up all of my time, you know, with school included and trying to get good grades and get ready for college, you know, also working and stuff. So snowboarding was never really something I could prioritize um, during the winter. But, you know, 
I thought, hey, might as well give it a shot. I've got these really cool prosthetics and um, I want to see if if this can take me anywhere. Um, so I uh, ended up getting those prosthetics. And uh, a couple months later, when I got um, a really good socket fit um, from a prosthetist and I wasn't really having very much um, limb pain anymore, um, I just did uh, a regular lesson up at my local um, ski resort, Timberline on Mount Hood, and uh, tried it out for the first time. And it was uh, it was kind of an interesting experience, um, strapping myself to a snowboard with one leg, <laughs> you know, not being able to feel my other ankle or my knee anymore. It was definitely kind of surreal, but um, it went fairly well. And I just kind of realized how much fun snowboarding was again. And it kind of brought me like a different joy or I guess a joy that I hadn't felt in volleyball in, in such a long time. And so I think that was kind of the motivating factor that, you know, this was going to be kind of the future for me sport wise. Yeah. And, and what do you think it is about that sport? I mean, obviously you were, you were familiar with it growing up and, but just from a fun recreational perspective, why do you think um, that, it, you know, after your amputation that the sport resonated with you? Um, I think because it is kind of an outdoor sport, I think um, that was a component of it for me is being able to enjoy this beautiful, you know, area that I live in. Um, could not ask for a better place to grow up for sure. I mean, I always make the joke to my friends that um, or people who don't really know Hood River very well, that um, you're not allowed to be bored here ever (laughs) because (laughs) there's just so many different sports that you can do here. I mean, summer, you've got windsurfing and kiteboarding on the Columbia River. You've got kayaking or in the spring and winter, whitewater rafting, mountain biking, skiing, snowboarding, hiking. I mean, there is just about every outdoor sport under the sun. you can find here. And I think finding a sport that would allow me to, again, like further kind of enjoy and take advantage of the beautiful place I live, but also a sport that'll take me to really beautiful places and different countries and um, different mountains and states. And um, I also really enjoy the social aspect of, of snow sports. Um, I found a lot of joy in those kind of chairlift conversations um, whenever folks would let me have them. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, just getting to know a stranger and getting to know um, what brought them to the mountain where they're from. Uh, I just love kind of getting to meet new people that way. Um, And, you know, maybe sharing a beer afterwards. Um, I just think that the, you you meet so many different people. Like I said, sports brings together so many different walks of life. Um, and you see that out on the mountain. Um, and it can bring you so much joy. And, and so as you as you've taken up snowboarding again, I understand at some point in time, obviously, uh Paralympic medalist Noah Elliott uh, had reached out to you. Yeah. So that very first time uh, I took out my biodapt prosthetic for a spin, I uh I had my coach kind of snap a picture at the top of the mountain and um, went ahead and posted it on my social media. And I must have, I must have hashtagged it or something. Cause I don't know how else he would have seen it. 
but um yeah he he kind of I think he commented on it um told him told me to reach out to him uh sent him a message if he if I wanted to learn more about this sport kind of at the highest level and um we ultimately ended up talking on the phone um and the gist of our conversation was he really wanted to let me know that we need more women in the sport, um, specifically above knee amputee women. Mm -hmm. And that, um, and that, uh, he would be there to kind of support me and help me make connections, um, as needed. So that was definitely kind of an invaluable connection to make. Yeah. And that was awesome. Awesome about that. So, um, and so, I mean, I think the snowboard community and the adaptive snowboarding community in general is, is awesome uh, in terms of a, that sense of community that you talked about. And and so I know you've done some camps and some trainings um, and, and then you're coming out to ski spec, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I could not be more excited. And, uh, and at, at, I mean, you may or may not know, but our, our race camp at, at ski spec, you know, has led to a lot of uh, Paralympic Paralympians and Paralympic hopefuls. So what are your kind of, uh, expectations maybe for the lack of a better word what do what kind of expectations do you have um expectations as far as like for myself um i would say that i do hope and my made it a goal of mine to to compete in the paralympics in in italy 2026 Mm -hmm. um and so this upcoming winter will be my first winter of um getting classified um, actually traveling abroad to compete in races, mm-hmm. um, um, mostly at the NORAM and Europa Cup level, um, see if I can kind of jump up to World Cup this winter. That's also kind of a, a short-term goal of mine. Um, and we'll just kind of see how things go. Yeah, I'm going to train hard and and uh, have a lot of fun doing it too. <laughs> and what do you think you need in order to be able to reach those goals? Um, I would say, um, definitely some ambition, some grit, some discipline, um, which has always kind of been something I, I aspire to develop, you know, as a person, not only in sports, but in academics, in my career and my life. Um, so I think continuing personal development of um, those types of um, attributes is going to be very important um, for me. Uh, you know, the financial aspect of international travel and competition is not something to take lightly. You know, mm-hmm. um, something to work very hard for. And you know, I kind of spent my summer um, working in Hood River at a winery. And I was, I was a server, you know, spending eight hours on my feet and despite the achy knees and achy feet, you know, the money was kind of worth it for me to kind of save up and make sure that I put myself in a position financially to be able to achieve these goals, um, for the season. Um, and I think that's going to continue kind of being a goal of mine is to, you know, make sure I set myself up for success and make sure I set myself up, um, in, in positive ways so that I, I, you don't really reach any limitations kind of in that way. Um, so I, I'd say that that's kind of one of the main, one of the main things right now. So. Yeah. And Rebecca, I know that you, 
had obviously some of the sitting volleyball uh, team members there for for you. What kind of like if if there's a a young person or any actually a person of any age that's going through. Uh, you know that decision. You know between you know obviously limb salvage and amputation, and uh, and and obviously and, and bone cancer, or maybe even in general. What kind of thoughts, suggestions, advice would you have for them? Yeah, I'd say um, social media was a really really useful tool for me personally um, when I was going through that decision, because you know you can you can Google, uh, you know. Um, statistics and you can Google um, odds and, and surgeries and different things and you can learn the facts about them. Um, but I think what it really comes down to is seeing these types of people, you know, in action and, you know, doing the things that you ultimately want to do yourself. Um, I think that was a really big component for me. So I went out, I sought out um, above knee athletes and, um, Paralympic sprinters, uh, Paralympic snowboarders. Brenna Huckabee was probably one of the first um, above knee amputee women who I, you know, came into my spotlight. And, um, you know, I'd follow above knee amputee weightlifters, um, CrossFitters, you know, people actively doing the things that I would want to do um, as an adaptive athlete. I'd say that that's just one of the most valuable pieces of information you can have, because if you can picture others doing it, you can start picturing yourself doing it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that was a really big component of why I felt so comfortable um, and confident making the decision to amputate is that, you know, get the surgery. For me, it was, I was I'm going to get this surgery. Um, it's going to be a long road to recovery. But once I'm there, you know, I can start moving on with my life again and I can start pushing myself athletically, um, pushing myself as a person, um, pushing myself to achieve things. I don't think I ever would have been disciplined or motivated enough to achieve, um, if I, you know, didn't go through this experience with cancer and amputation. Um, so for advice, I would say, you know, use your resources and go, um, seek out connections with people who um, would be just like you. Um, ask questions. You know, don't be afraid to get into the nitty gritty um, of any questions you have. Stay curious. Um, but ultimately, make an informed decision. Um, you know, look inwards, um, emotionally, mentally, and make sure that you will feel comfortable making the decision in the end. Um, not to say that it's not scary. Um, but it is, uh, you know, pretty brave, I'd say, um, for anybody going through this. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, I know that you're gearing up, obviously, for a lot of sport and, and focusing on competition. But let's go back to the the academic side. So I know that um, uh, wh where do things stand in terms of, you know, whether I know that you might want to be interested in at one point in time, you were interested in pursuing medicine, or where are you with your with maybe some of those career or academic goals outside of sport? Sure, yeah. So um, definitely kind of set myself up for a career in healthcare um, throughout undergrad. Um, I definitely still want to go into the healthcare field, but um, I feel like I've been presented with this 
incredible and unique opportunity to pursue snowboarding at the highest level. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've kind of made the decision that that's going to be my priority for the next four years. Um, well, I also do kind of prioritize my career and I will, um, focus on putting myself in career positions that will allow me to ultimately make the right decision on, um, where to go with my healthcare career. Cause I'm not entirely sure yet, but right now in my sites, I kind of have, um, physical therapy, um, sports medicine, um, kind of in my view, I really mm -hmm. want to continue working with adaptive athletes, um, throughout the rest of my life. I think, um, it's just such an incredible community. And I think as an adaptive athlete myself, um, I will have a lot to bring to the table, um, as far as empathy and compassion and understanding where people are coming from, um, and their recoveries, um, with their goals. And I just would absolutely love to help others get to, you know, a place where they feel like they can push themselves as much as any other athlete, you know, adaptive or not. So that's definitely a goal of mine. And if folks just want to connect with you, are you on so social media platforms that you want to share? I am. Yeah. Um, I'd say best way to reach me is Instagram. Um, my handle is my first name, Rebecca dot Johnston. Um, but the last O in Johnston is a zero. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Well, we look forward to having you out of ski spec. Me too. Yeah. I'm really excited.